News Update. The L.A. Dodgers have moved Clayton Kershaw back. He was scheduled to start on Tuesday, but will now take the hill on Wednesday. Dustin May will start in his place against the Marlins on Tuesday. Jose Alvarado is closing in on a return for the Tampa Bay Rays. He's been out with an oblique injury. Gabe Kapler announced via Todd Zalecki of MLB.com that John Malley has been let go as hitting coach. He's been replaced by former manager Charlie Manuel. After his grievance was denied, Antonio Brown has returned to Oakland Raiders camp. He has also posted to social media in search of a helmet he can use. And Colts owner Jim Ursay said Andrew Luck is dealing with, quote, a small little bone issue. He does add some detail into the injury that has sidelined Andrew Luck, but does not give us much of an idea of what his prognosis is in the term. I'm Dan Trapper, and this has been your Fantasy Sports Radio Network News Update. Stay tuned to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network for more updates at the top of every hour. Ladies and gents, this is the BFFs. Yo! This is the Action Hour of the BFFs. He is Frank Stanfield. I am Greg Sussman. Eric Young here alongside as well. We'll be breaking down wide receivers. We'll get into the Action Betting Hour coming up in just a few moments. But I wanted to finish the conversation when it comes to these fantasy football wide receivers. Eric, Marquez Valdez-Scantling versus Geronimo Allison. Frank's right. There is no projection on who will truly be the second target uh, for Aaron Rodgers. If you want to look at the slot, it certainly seems to be Geronimo Geronimo Allison's job, playing that Randall Cobb role that we've come to expect uh, from Cobb when he was younger and more reliable. MVS could be in a James Jones type of role, though, which certainly had fantasy, uh, fantasy implications here. How do you rank MVS and Geronimo? I have uh, MVS is, and I think I proved this by taking him in uh, the flex draft, uh, paired him up with Aaron Rodgers. I've got him at uh, 35, and Allison is 42. So, I mean, almost every draft you're in, one or the other goes, and then within 10 picks, one or the other goes. This has kind of been the thing. And I think uh, what Frank was saying, like they could eat into each other, but at the same time, with MVS, he's going to play the outside. He's built for that. I think his ceiling is higher than Allison's, and and I think he doesn't come off the field. I mean, Devontae Adams isn't going to come off the field, but if Devontae Adams get hurt, gets hurt, the replacement for him is going to be MVS. That is absolutely true. What you have to ask yourself here is, and it's a close question. I mean, that's why it's like a toss-up when it comes to these wide receivers is, I think Geronimo Allison could potentially see more targets because he's playing the slot, but MVS is... The quality of his targets, meaning they're probably going to be downfield targets with uh, an opposing team's second cornerback on the outside guarding him, that could be, you know, fantasy viable as well. So it's, you know, there might be a little bit more volume when it comes to Geronimo Allison in the slot, you know, with that Randall Cobb role from years past versus MVS on the outside where he might not get as many targets, but the targets that he does see are, are going to you know, be very quality ones. So that's what you have to ask yourself. Overall, I like MVS a little bit more because of the physical profile. Someone who's six foot four, ran a four three seven forty. Uh, just he's a physical freak. 
And I do agree that if anything were to happen to Devontae Adams, you end up uh, you end up seeing MVS probably as that uh, number one wide receiver on the outside for the Green Bay Packers. How about this as a strategy, Greg? And we saw Dave Martinez do something similar in the Evan TSY draft from this past Friday. At the 8-9 swing, he took both Dante Moncrief and James Washington. If you're at the 7-8 swing, do you toy with the idea of taking both MVS and Geronimo just to see if you lock down getting that wide receiver too. Yeah, so I think that actually goes back to the conversation we had yesterday, right? Like potentially taking Robert Woods, Brandon Cooks, and Cooper Cup, two of those three back-to-back. It's a similar situation because you want to lock down, guaranteeing yourself not just a piece of the offense, but a major piece and a really good offense. I like doing this more than I like the Pittsburgh one because we haven't seen Pittsburgh be able to sustain three wide receivers uh, having fantasy relevance, right? At least LA and Green Bay theoretically have. Um... It's frustrating because when you do that at the 7-8 turn here, locking down MVS and Allison potentially, you could be getting nothing out of a guy, and I don't necessarily want to do that. That's why I don't like doing it from a Pittsburgh uh, perspective. But you can. Like, what is the difference if you do MVS and Geronimo, or instead you draft, with one of those picks, you draft um, Sammy Watkins and Geronimo Allison, right? Like, I, I don't know that there's necessarily much of a difference, obviously. Yeah, I don't know that I love taking the two wide receivers on one team strategy because it just seems like it kind of it caps your upside on on a week to week basis, right? Because there's only one football to go around. As good as the Green Bay Packers offense could be and should be this upcoming season, yes, you have a higher likelihood of hitting on the wide receiver two for the Packers if you draft both of those guys, but it also caps your upside on a week-to-week basis where, you know, if MVS emerges, then you wasted an eighth-round pick on Geronimo Allison because he doesn't, you know, turn out to be very much. So from that perspective, I don't really love taking the two wide receivers. If you ask me, I would rather go with something you said where you take a Sammy Watkins and you pair him with one of these guys uh, because I think overall that gives you more upside on a on a weekly basis because you're not just locked into one team. Totally get it. Green Bay gets shut out. You at least have a piece uh, of a different offense as well. Now, also in this mix for me, gentlemen, is a few other players. So I want to go with one, Frank, who has steadily risen up my draft board. I'm interested to hear where he is on yours. And that is Emmanuel Sanders. We have seen Joe Flacco have a relationship with older wide receivers in the recent past from Steve Smith to Anquan Bolden. Emmanuel Sanders is an older veteran wide receiver, and while a lot of the talk early in training camp was about Deshaun Hamilton and Cortland Sutton, Emmanuel Sanders seems to be healthy, ready to go, and the favorite target of Joe Flacco. Is Sanders being undervalued right now, and where do you have him ranked? Yeah, I do think he is undervalued right now. He's the 49th wide receiver off the board or over the past week at the NFFC, and I have him as my 43rd wide receiver. He's in the same tier as MVS and Geronimo Allison, so you target him in that 8th, ninth round range, uh, but which sounds crazy because just a month ago you were getting him in round 13, round 14, but based on how well he has looked in camp, I understand an Achilles injury is nothing to mess around with, but once I started seeing videos of this guy running at full speed and cutting and stopping and starting on a dime, you have no choice but to move him up your rankings. I mean, it's this isn't something that you could just ignore. It seems like he's gone into whatever crazy time chamber Adrian Peterson has, and he's recovered from this injury, a, div- a devastating injury, rather quickly. And because of that, I-, I don't think you can ignore it. I have moved Emmanuel Sanders up to wide receiver 43. He is the highest ranked 
Denver Broncos wide receiver for me as of now. Greg. For me, Emmanuel Sanders checks in at wide receiver 39, also the highest Denver Broncos wide receiver. Eric, what do you think about uh, Emmanuel Sanders? Yeah, Sanders is 46 for me, and just because like what Frank said, the Achilles is nothing to, it's just nothing to mess with. And like we saw videos of him running on his own, and, you know, and wearing shorts and a t-shirt. That's different than than when a guy is is bumping you off the line and 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 he's in your face and you're you're having to to move your body in different ways. Achilles, uh, I mean, just the reality is, is players do not come back and play effectively the year after an Achilles injury. It's never happened ever in the NFL. And I'm not betting that over 30-year-old Manu Sanders is going to buck that trend. We take a break here. When we come back, EY on Corey Davis. Frank Stanfield on Corey Davis. I'll chime in as well. Just a couple more wide receivers to get to you on today's program. Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. The BFFs continue on. Eric Young is here. Frank Stample as well. I'm Greg Sussman. And I said going to break, we wanted to get EY's thoughts on his Tennessee Titans wide receiver, Corey Davis. He was a high draft pick. A lot of praise for Corey Davis. But your Titans have the worst odds to win the AFC South. And I think a lot of people are thinking, well, bad things about the Titans, and in particular, Corey Davis. Are you in on CD this year? Are you in on the Titans? What are your thoughts? I mean, I, th- I probably am more in more than most. Um, I draft players that I like. I like Corey Davis, six foot four, 210 pounds. Um, Mariota, he hasn't shown what people thought, what I thought he was going to be yet, but he also hasn't been healthy. He was healthy only his rookie season, and he looked decent. I think the the offense will be improved if he can stay healthy. Um, uh, Corey Davis is the undisputed number one receiver there. He's going to be the goal line guy. He's going to get red zone targets. He's good after the catch. Uh, he's a prototype wide receiver, and I want him on my team. Um, I'm going to probably take him earlier than most because that's the player I want on my team. I want to cheer for him. So, um, look, he, he, it bit me last year because he wasn't he wasn't what I thought he was going to be. That's I think a lot of it has to do with the quarterback play. The quarterback play has to improve for him to be who he is, but I'm banking on that. And people that talk about uh, who, who they think they're going to win the division and strength the schedule and this defense is going to do this, no one knows that. No, no one. There's no way to possibly know that, judging by the teams last year. There's different coordinators. There's different schemes. There's different players. There's different weather. There's different There's different everything, different injuries. No one knows what's going to happen. So uh, I just go by, by the players and what I think their skill is, and he is a highly skilled player that I want on my team, 26 overall. I have Corey Davis as my wide receiver, 36, Greg, solely based on his talent level, and I like his talent And I said this yesterday regarding Corey Davis. I think a lot of the times when it comes to fantasy, you can't necessarily just look at the talent. You have to look at everything. You have to look at situation as well. Scheme, who's the quarterback. Uh, All these things come in 
come into play when looking at a wide receiver for fantasy purposes. And I love the talent of Corey Davis, and that's pretty much the only reason why I have him inside my top 36 because overall, I don't love the situation. I don't love the quarterback in Mariota. I will say EY is right that Mariota has not been healthy, uh, but... You know, is does that mean he's necessarily going to be healthy this year? Just because you know we uh, we were judging him based on him playing through injury in the past. I mean, he might be playing through injury again once this year starts because he does have that slight frame, and you know he tries to take off and run a little bit here and there. But should he necessarily do that? So ultimately, I do have skepticism when it comes to this Titans offense overall and Marcus Mariota. When it comes to Corey Davis, last year he had, he saw twenty six percent of the Titans target share. That was eighth most among wide receivers. The problem was that only amounted to 112 targets because the Titans don't throw the ball all that much. The 112 targets ranked 19th among wide receivers last year. So he does see a large majority of the target share for the Titans. And you probably also have to project for that to come down a little bit now that they signed Adam Humphreys and Delaney Walker is going to be back in the mix for the Titans. So overall, I just don't love the situation for Corey Davis. Love the player, love the talent. And if he was on another team with a better quarterback, a more pass-happy approach, you know, then I'd probably be more excited about Corey Davis. I think I've done three drafts so far that I'm playing out and probably seven or eight best ball drafts. I have zero Corey Davis shares, Greg. Corey Davis, for me, is my number 41, 41st ranked wide receiver. And I just don't want to get all that involved in the Tennessee passing game. I... You know, losing Matt LaFleur, a different offensive coordinator, I don't necessarily know what to expect. I know they want to utilize Corey Davis, but we haven't seen him uh, put up the type of numbers on a consistent basis that we want. There's other guys in this area that I would rather. And that brings me to a guy like D.D. Westbrook, who I think is just in line for like more receptions, really. Corey Davis. I look at this Jaguars team where it does not have a true number one wide receiver. Marquise Lee doesn't look like he'll be ready for opening day. And I'm like, all right, Nick Foles is going to latch on to somebody. Why not D.D. Westbrook? He slots in one spot higher at wide receiver 40, Frank, for me. Yeah, and shout out to our buddy Michael Florio, who has been banging the drum for D.D. Westbrook all draft season so far. He tweeted this out um, about a month ago now. Uh, Nick Foles attempted 71 passes to slot receivers and 54 to receivers out wide, so clearly favors his slot receiver. And D.D. Westbrook led all receivers last year in routes run from the slot with 441 routes from the slot in 2018. So uh, it seems like there's just a natural connection that's there. And if you watch him play, there's just no doubt. D.D. Westbrook is a talented player. He fell in the NFL draft due to off-field issues. But someone who is a good route runner, someone that can make plays after the catch as well. And this seems like a natural marriage here between him and Nick Foles, given that he plays in the slot. Nick Foles likes to to target those slot-wide receivers. Uh, So ultimately... I think D.D. Westbrook's in a good spot. I wouldn't mind him him as my wide receiver three or more so as a flex wide receiver. I have him one spot ranked higher uh, than Corey Davis as my wide receiver 35, Greg. So we're quite similar. Uh, Eric, what about you when it comes to D.D. Westbrook? I love D.D. Westbrook this year. I got him at 29. I'm I'm getting him everywhere I can. I think he'll be the most targeted guy uh, on Jacksonville. And uh, I know we haven't done the tight ends. I also think Jeff Swain could be a sneaky late tight end pick. Um, Nick Foles loves throwing to the tight end. There's a bunch of numbers and analytics to back it up. You can look it up if you want. But he's he he uh, loves to throw to the tight end. And uh, Jeff Swain, I think, will be the starter there. Yeah, so that's that's interesting. But D.D. Westbrook is a guy that, that I love right. of a talented receiver. So, yeah, I'm, I'm pumped. 
All right, that's an interesting call on Jeff, Jeff, Jeff Swain, Swain yeah. as well because I was actually looking at Josh Oliver earlier on in camp. He is their rookie tight end. They drafted him in the third round, so that's you know that's pretty legit draft pedigree. But he is dealing with, I believe it's a severe ankle uh, issue or foot issue. So uh, it's a good call when it comes to Jeff Swain because I was looking at the Jaguars tight end for similar reasons. Last two wide receivers Andy, I want to admit. Andy's a Andy's a rookie. Sorry, but. Absolutely, tight end rookies, rookies. sure. Last two wide receivers I want to mention on today's program um, are Sterling Shepard and Marvin Jones. Frank, you have Marvin Jones in this tier for you. I have Sterling Shepard at the end of the tier for me. Shepard looks like he's healthy, and he looks like he's going to be the number one option, healthy enough, and he's going to be the number one option for the Giants. Marvin Jones somebody that's in my next tier because, as I mentioned when we came to Kenny Galladay versus Chris Godwin yesterday, they're not going to throw that often. And when they do, I... I don't know what Marvin Jones' share is going to be. Give me the number one option on the Giants, even if it's short intermediate routes, then Marvin Jones. That's just me. I have Sterling Shepard at 42. I have Marvin Jones at 44, just separated by that tier. I might be one of the lowest in the industry on Sterling Shepard this year. I have him down at wide receiver 44. I have him uh, in that next tier, just behind guys like MVS, Allison, Larry Fitzgerald, uh, Emmanuel Sanders as well, just because is he the wide receiver one for the New York Giants? They go out and they sign Golden Tate to probably more suspended money. for four games. It's true. He is suspended four games. I think if I had to choose, I think the wide receiver one for this team is Evan Ingram or potentially Saquon Barkley on an offense that, frankly, is not going to be very good. Uh, maybe it gets better once Daniel Jones takes over, even though we had comments earlier today from uh, your boy John Mara, Greggy, that saying, uh, ideally... Daniel Jones will not play at all this season. So we'll see what happens overall for the Giants. But uh, even if Sterling Shepard is the number one target in this offense, I don't think it's going to be a very good offense. I do think that other players are going to be involved in the pass game with Saquon and Evan Engram and Golden Tate overall. I don't really want much to do with this New York Giants offense. So I have Sterling Shepard lower. I have him at 44. I have Marvin Jones at 37. Uh, just because he has shown the ability, Greg, in the past to make big plays and be fantasy viable on not the biggest target share. So even if he doesn't see a ton of target shares, a lot of his the targets that he does see are downfield, which means that usually those are quality targets. He was among the lead leaguer, uh, the league leaders in air yards last year. That is, you know, the amount of uh, air that is going underneath the, the ball when you are being targeted down the field. So he did see a lot of targets down the field last year uh, and was performing well before he got hurt. So I think he's someone that can thrive on a low target share, Greg. So that's why I have Marvin Jones a little bit higher than Sterling Shepard. Let's go to Eric EY. Where do you have Marvin Jones comparatively to Sterling Shepard? Actually, uh, I'm like the the flip flop of Frank. I've got uh, Marvin Jones at 44, and I've got Sterling Shepard at 38. Okay. Uh, Sterling Shepard, I think, is the number one receiver there. Um, whether it's Manning or Jones, I mean, he's still the number one receiver. I think he's going to have a, a decent year. EY, we appreciate the time. We'll do it again tomorrow, my man. Thank you, boys. Talk to you tomorrow. Awesome. Tomorrow, Frank's guys. Some of these deep wide receivers who we give a chance to get into. Action Hour, full throttle, next. 
from the NFL to the NBA, DailyRoto.com is the place to win millions in daily fantasy. You can get the best DFS NFL coverage all season long for a price of $129.99 or dominate the entire daily fantasy sports realm with the Elite Package at $59.99 per month. If you use the promo code FNTSY, you get 10% off your Daily Roto Package. Go to DailyRoto.com, pick your NFL or Elite Package, enter promo code FNTSY, and you'll be on your way to becoming the next Daily Roto Millionaire. Frankie, Hard Knocks tonight, Antonio Brown saga. I expect to be covered pretty in depth. It's very surprising and interesting that he shows up to camp on the day Hard Knocks is going to air their second episode, huh, Greg? So normally the production time closes, actually, Monday afternoon or Monday night. They pushed it back to cover whatever happened today with Antonio Brown. So, wait, so is episode two still airing today? Yeah, Yes, okay. it will, but they, basically, their editors, their editors usually get it with more time, mm-hmm. not tonight. So, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Antonio Brown is back at practice, apparently. Uh, he's looking for a new helmet on Craigslist. He's, he's tweeted out. He's trying to get some help for anyone that can find him a new helmet. So, uh, anybody out there in the uh, Oakland area on the West Coast, if you want to help out uh, Antonio Brown... So we can get him back on the field and help us out for fantasy purposes. That would be great. Uh, yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see what happens tonight on Hard Knocks. I'm looking forward to it, Greg. I swear, if all of this that has happened was solely for the show, A, it wouldn't surprise me. B, that would be really, really annoying. Because that just fluctuated so much ADP well, you, stuff you, over the weekend for no reason. It's funny because you saw what he did over the weekend. Today, he's yeah. just requesting people on Twitter to get him a new helmet. Yeah, exactly. What are we doing? Weird dude, man. <laughs> As I said yesterday, once you dye your mustache blonde... You don't go back. I mean, that's how you know. You don't go back. That is how you know. It's crazy. I have some, uh, some gambling stuff I wanted to get into here, Frankie. What do you got? All right, here we go. So I have some New York Mets odds for you for the season. Are you ready? Oh, goodness. Yeah, let's go. What are the odds for the Mets to win their next five games? In a row? In a row. All five of them? All five. Oh, God. Um, I don't even I know who they're playing. I don't know the matchups. Uh, they're I. playing the Braves tonight. I okay. know tonight is Zach Wheeler against Max Freed. Uh, so that is the first of three games against the Braves. So Not easy. Not easy. Uh, to win the next five in a row, I will say plus 1,500. Plus 1,700. Okay. Not far off. Pretty good. So let me you pull- like those odds, Greg? Uh, no. They're 8-2 and two in their last 10 games. Yeah, they'll probably do to lose another one, right? Yeah, especially against the Braves. I mean, they're leading the division. So, Pretty good lineup the Atlanta Braves got. I'm um, pulling up a... Uh, oh, this is so funny. So, A.B., the latest report is he's found a newer old helmet. That's, that's the latest report. Great. Somebody must have... So happy that this is... In this day and age, Greg, in the year of our Lord, 2019, uh, this is what we're reporting. Whether Antonio Brown has a new old helmet or not, what he's posting on Craigslist, what he's asking yes. for, where his whereabouts are. This is great. It's really ridiculous. I love it. So in front of me, once I... I have it right now. More Mets talk? More Mets talk. Let's go, Mets! All right. Doo-doo-doo! The odds for Jeff, Jeff McNeil to win the NL batting title. Uh, where does he rank right now? He is currently second, one point behind Christian Yelich. 334 is his average. He is one point. Who's just up. behind him? Brian Reynolds is one point behind him. 
Really? Wow, shout out to Brian Reynolds. Mm-hmm. He had a home run last night. I was watching that game. My man, Mitch Keller. Keller! So for Jeff McNeil to win the batting title, I will say the odds are... Plus 150. Plus 200. Not far off. Not I've been pretty off. close. You going to buy that? It's not bad. I mean, based on his skill set. Sure. Puts the bat on the ball. Solid line drive hitter. I, now, do you think that it... Does it favor Jeff McNeil? Or does it hurt him that Christian Yelich has been in and out of the lineup so much with his back injury? Does that help a Jeff McNeil? Because now, when Yelich is on the field, he might not be at 100%. But at the same time... He might not be playing as many games where, obviously, if you play more games, you got to continue to hit. So does that favor him or does that hurt him? Probably helps him. You think that helps? Probably helps him, yes. Mm. All right. Well, I, I don't think it's a bad bet, actually, though. At plus 200. Agreed. His skill set is there. I mean, he's done it all season long. I don't think it's a fluke. You look at his minor league numbers. He's had a high batting average at every level. It's not a bad bet at plus 200. It's something I would look into. Pete Alonso to hit 52 or more home runs oh my goodness. during the regular season. Currently, Pete Alonso has hit 38. Uh, so he's got to hit 52 or more or over 52? 52. 52 or more. So he's got to get 14 more in the next six or so weeks. Mm-hmm. I, I'm the under. I, he doesn't do it. He doesn't get to 52. What's the odds? Uh, so what is, say the question again. How do they, how do they phrase it? Pete Alonso to hit 52 or more regular season home runs. So, yes, or the over will be plus, plus 175. Plus 135. All right, not far off. Plus 135. The under, I guess, is minus one. They don't have, they don't have it. it. No. You can only say yes, that's it? Yeah. You can't bet no? That's that seems weird. Right. Then don't make the bet. I, that, that is a bet I would not make. I like the Jeff McNeil bet more, right. than, more than the Pete Alonzo one. Oh, all right. Uh, I have in front of me some alternate win totals for teams. Hit me. So I have the Jets, the Giants, the Eagles, the Locals, the Buffalo Bills, the Pittsburgh Steelers, and the New England Patriots. Continue. So I have the alternate win totals for over-under for all of these teams. If you want to go for like, the Jets. They're, I believe their win total is 8.5 this year. Is that what I said? The Jets? No, I think it's seven and a half. Seven and a half. I'm sorry. It's seven and a half. So I have their total either at eight and a half or six and a half. If you want to play those totals instead. Okay. And, hmm. I mean, the Jets are just such a wild card, man. As much as I bash them, it wouldn't surprise me. There is a scenario where they can play well, where Greg Williams gets the most out of their defense, and based on their additions on the offensive line, they play better. They have Le'Veon Bell. So they're a wild card team. Like, their range of outcomes for me is very far. I could see, you know, the Jets winning as many as six games, and I could see them winning, you know, nine or ten, like if everything breaks right for the New York Jets. So, I really, normally we'll say, like, when we talk about a team, like, there's like a two or three game outcome that we really could say. I think when it comes to the Jets, they're win, they're like, they could be anywhere between six and ten wins, Greg, and none of that would surprise me. Here's the thing, right? So... We haven't done our, our totals yet. We're going to do that the week of the season, obviously. Yes. Right? So it, it's really the, the conversation is how good or how bad you think a team's going to be. Right? Like, if you think they sneak over seven and a half, you, you just take the seven and a half and you move on. If you think they're going to be nine and seven, like, all right, then you might as well take it at eight and a half. 
Yeah, and it's I would all, say it's all about confidence, and that's for all these teams. I don't want to go one by one with, with these teams. I, I think it's a it's a I, so errand. ultimately, I don't have confidence in the Jets either way. Yeah, because I think that there's a wide range of outcomes. That's basically what I was getting at. Right. Uh, I would say let's uh, betting the over eight and a half. That is plus two hundred. One sixty three. Plus one sixty three. Okay, and then the under six and a half. I'll say is. Probably something similar, plus 175. The under six and a half is plus 170. Okay, yeah, so close. Mm-hmm. Are there any there that you like in terms of the alternate? So I'm trying to figure that out. I, I think the one that probably is piquing my interest the most, and this is it's a lot here, it's... What's the Patriots alternate total? What is that? What would that be, 11 and a half? 12 and a half. Oh my goodness. 12 and a half. Wow. Or nine and a half. Well, yeah, I mean, free money. You could do the over nine and a half for the Patriots. Minus what? Minus, minus 250. 345. Yeah, and at that point, why would you even do it? The Giants, the Giants' actual total is what, six? Here's what I like. Yep. Here's what I like. The Steelers' alternate total. So their win total is nine. Okay. Yeah? The alternate win total is ten and a half. So if they go 11 and five, you get that. At plus 205. Big number, Frank. It is a big number, but that's a division outside of the Bengals that's going to beat up on each other. I like the Ravens this year. Uh, obviously, Earl, Tom, uh, Earl Thomas uh, leading the defense in the back there. And we're all bullish on Lamar Jackson, at least I am, uh, for fantasy purposes this year. I like Mark Ingram as well. Like The Ravens are going to be a good team. Everyone's hyping up the Browns, too. They have Baker Mayfield. The defense should be improved. Ah. I mean, I get it at those odds, Greg, but I would probably... You said their total is nine? Their right. actual total? I, I, but according to the DraftKings Sports. Can you... Yes. So do they have it at eight and a half? They have it at seven and a half. Yeah, like, that's too much. Minus 315. I'd like to get it at minus eight and a half. I don't have that. Over minus eight and a half for the, for the Steelers. So I don't have that round number at nine because yep. I can see them winning nine or ten games. Mm-hmm. I would like to get that over eight and a half, and you would probably get that. At, I would say like minus one thirty or minus like one fifty, something like that. Yep. And I would actually feel pretty good about that when it comes to the Steelers. The over ten and a half, it's good value, but tough division, man. Any any interest in talking about the Bills or the Giants or the Eagles? Yeah, what are the Giants? What the Giants' actual total is what six? Five and a half. Five and a half. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, they're not going to be a good team, Greg. No. <laughs> they're not going to be a good team. Uh, but their alternate is... Uh, Four and a half. And the other way is six and a half? Mm-hmm. So what is the under six and a half? I'll say it's minus 160. 200. Minus 200. Ah, oh, God. Like, that's, not just, that's not good enough value, you know? I know. That's the problem with all of these. That's probably You have to find a team that you're bullish on already on their normal total... Like, for example, you brought up the Steelers, right? So if you yeah. really like the Steelers over at whatever, nine this year, You're right. and then you see that at like ten and a half, like that's something that you would want to jump in on. I haven't, admittedly, I haven't looked enough at, I've looked at the totals over and over again. I got to really, really dissect it. You look into like schedule analysis and teams that they play and how many games they play on the road in a row. Like all these things come into consideration when you're looking at over-unders for a respective team. So I haven't yet found like, I'm probably going to bet three of them. That's what I did last year. I'll find three win total over-unders that I like before the season and bet those, and I'll also bet a few uh, Super Bowl long shots or whatever before the season. Uh, but admittedly, I-, I haven't found my my three best bets yet. 
But once I do, I would obviously look into the uh, to those alternate spreads because, look, man, you're bullish on a team. It's a good way to make money. Speaking of the Giants, Golden Tate's appeal was officially denied. Saw that coming. He is suspended for the first four games of the 2019 season. The Giants' top wide receivers are Sterling Shepard, Evan Ingram, Cody Latimer, TJ Jones, Benny Fowler, Russell Shepard, and Darius Slayton. Evan Ingram, baby! Sterling Shepard, too, man. Let's go! Sterling Shepard, too. Best bets forever coming your way next. Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. Final 20 minutes or so of the show. Or like 15. But we're here and we're hanging out. Little JT coming back from Little the break, JT, Greggy. Absolutely. Frank, how we do last night at our best bets forever? Uh, you went 1 0, good sir. Ah, and not surprise. Although the Red Sox fought and clawed their way back into that game, I went 1 1. I yeah. lost on the Red Sox. You were right on the Indians. Uh, but I also I got the Nationals. Nationals money line against the Reds. Try to tell you about the Indians. Man. I was one and one. You were one and zero. I try to tell you about the Indians. All right, make it up tonight. Right, we'll, do it, we'll do it again, and we'll do it right now. Let's get into today's best bets forever. Starting start of the week, hot. Let's keep it rolling. We were just talking, frankly, uh, off the air about the New York Yankees A lineup for tonight. So let's rewrite the Yankees. Yankees are facing the Orioles tonight. They are minus three ten. With Domingo Herman taking on John Means. John Means, the Baltimore Orioles' lone representative in the All-Star game this Should year. Should have been Boom Boom, by the way, who homered twice yesterday. Yeah, Boom Boom has been awesome. Uh, you get the Orioles at plus 260. The Yankees have Domingo Herman on the mound, who's arguably been their most consistent starting pitcher this year. The total is 10.5. Can't touch the money lines here. Look at the run line when it comes to the Yankees. Minus one and a half to get a win by two or more runs, but that's minus 164. So even there, it's not great value. I would say ride the over when it comes to Yankees and Orioles games at 10 and a half. But Domingo Herman could potentially shut down the Orioles. Keep riding the over. All right. Keep riding the over. Is that your best bet, Greg? No. Okay. Are you also... If I had to choose something from this game, it would be the over. But overall, I don't love it. Will you bet on Gleyber Torres hit a home run? You probably should, right? So Glaber, the lefty on the mound. Glaber has 13 home runs on the year against the Baltimore Orioles. He has 26 home runs total this season. So half of his home runs have come against the Orioles. Would you like to guess his odds to hit a home run tonight, Craig? Plus 140. Plus 250. Pretty good value. Pretty, pretty good value here, Greg. I think they're just going to walk him every time. Um, we've been saying that a lot. I don't mind DJ LeMahieu at plus 370 either. Go for it, man. Against a lefty? Why not? I like that. All right. Uh, so, as I said, Torres has 13 home runs this season against the Orioles. You know what the MLB record is for home runs in a single season against a singular opponent? I saw this yesterday. I think it's 14. It is 14 yeah. by Lou Gehrig. Now, the only Pretty difference... Pretty good company. The only difference between Lou Gehrig 
Well, not the only difference. The difference between Lou Gehrig and Gleyber Torres in this instance is that when Lou Gehrig did it in the 30s or the 20s, I forget which season it was, uh, the Yankees were playing only seven different teams rather than, like, 17 or 18 different teams. That is a pretty drastic difference, Craig. Just saying. Yeah. So... It's very impressive. He's got basically. two more games to do it. What Glaber is doing right now. Two more games, one more home run. Let's go. Now, are you one of these people that uses it as a knock against Glaber Torres? Like, oh, well, is Glaber really that good? He's hit half of his home runs against the Orioles, and they suck. Or is it just, no, you're supposed to dominate bad pitching, and that's what, you, that's what he's doing. I do. Am I going to hold it against the Yankees that they're 15-2 and two against the Orioles this year? That's what they're supposed to do. Correct. So when they lose the Orioles, or they, they, remember, they lost. Guess what? Next year, Glaber's going to face the Orioles again. 19 times. Exactly right. When they lost the Orioles uh, a bunch early last year, I remember us being like, this is ridiculous. They're supposed to beat the Orioles. They're terrible. Now when they're doing that, we're supposed to criticize them. Like, oh, they're supposed to do that. I don't, I don't think that the Yankees are necessarily getting criticism for beating the Orioles, but I have seen some people make criticism against Glaber because half of his home runs this year have come against the Orioles, and their pitching staff is god-awful. So just thought I'd bring it up. I think it's an interesting conversation. I still think Glaber is awesome. He's a great player. The kid's only 22 years old. Look at what he's doing. He got 26 home runs already. One last note on the Yankees as the Michael K. show will return to Yankee Stadium. Michael K. has been cleared to come back. He will begin his radio show once again on August 26th. What have they been airing this entire time without him? Well, the other, Peter Rosenberg. Oh, they're just and doing Lecca. it without him? Mm-hmm. Okay. Makes sense. Yep. So Basically going to be you over the next couple weeks without me, Greg. Similar, similar scenario. The show goes on. The show does go on. We'll, uh, we'll do the best we can, Frank. We'll do the best we can. It is true. I have faith in you guys. Thanks, buddy. All right. Uh, let's go back to it. It's the Astros and the White Sox. They are 45 minutes away. Double header. Uh, Dylan Cease versus Zach Greinke. We talked about that yesterday, so let's move on uh, to the next game. Cubs and Phillies. Jay Vargas. Jose Quintana. Ten and a half is the total. Ten and a half is the total, Greggy. Jose Quintana pitching a little bit better as of late. Has the ERA down to 4.23. Don't... Don't look now, Jason Vargas has a 409 ERA, so actually has a lower ERA than Jose Quintana in this one overall. And both teams have not fared well against left-handed pitching. Overall, obviously, the Cubs are the hotter team recently over the past 10 games. They are 7-3. and three. Uh, There's not great value in going with the Cubs. Minus 154 on the money line today. The total, 10.5. Both of these guys have pitched better as of late. I don't love this game, Greg. What do you think? Phillies are one of my best bets tonight. As you mentioned, Jason Vargas wow. has a better ERA than Jose Quintana. The Phillies are underdogs at home. I like Philadelphia uh, tonight in this one. New hitting coach Charlie Manuel is going to bring a little charm. Jason How old is Vargas, he now? 90 years old? 75. All right, close enough. Jason Vargas and the Phillies are my best bet tonight at home against the Cubs. All righty, getting it out of the way early here, Greggy. Absolutely. I, I can't have that much faith in Jason Vargas, but all the power to you. Reds and the Nationals, Joe Ross going for Washington, uh, Alex Wood going for Cincinnati. Yeah, Joe Ross has actually pitched well recently as well. Alex Wood coming off a good start. Uh, you are getting the Nationals at minus 136. The total is 10.5 here. In, over their ta- past 10 games, the Reds are 6-4. and four, The Nationals are 5-5. Five and five. The Nationals have performed much better this year against left-handed pitching than the Reds have against right-handed pitching. I like the Nationals at minus 140, not touching the total. Kind of like the under here, but it's just so dangerous taking unders in any games nowadays in baseball. 
Not one of my best bets. What do you think, Greg? By the way, uh, un- let me do this first. So, not one of my best bets. Both these pitchers have been pitching well. The one thing I'm lead- I would lean towards is actually the under 10.5 in this game, the game total, just because I like the way, as you mentioned, Joe Ross has been pitching, and Alex Wood was fine in his last start, too. If I have a lean, it is the under at 10.5. That would be my lean as well, but not one of my best bets. I agree with that. By the way, in my fantasy baseball league, I just this popped up, Andrew Penintendi was dropped. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Give yourself a little pat on the back, Frank. You got that one right. Remember, Frank. I was, uh, you did, you was not anti- in on Andrew Benintendi. You were the anti-Benintendi guy this year. That is correct. Mm-hmm. Up next. The Rangers and the Blue Jays. Lance Lynn, Tom Pannone. Minus 130 are the Rangers as a favorite tonight in Toronto. Lock it in, Greggy. My best bet of the night. The Texas Rangers money line. Ooh, Lance going over here. continues to get it done this season Minus 130. You don't have to lay that much juice, juice here. He's uh, got a 3.60 ERA, 14-7 and seven on the se- season. And on the opposite side, Thomas Pannone, left-handed pitcher, is 2-5 and five with a 6.83 ERA. I get it. Bo Bichette has been awesome. And Vlad, Vlad Guerrero Jr. has played better as of late. But I'm riding the, uh, the pitcher here in Lance Lynn, who has... Been awesome this year, Greg. I'm going to continue to ride it out with the Texas Rangers. Given Thomas Pannone's um, ERA here, I know Lance Lynn's been good, but doesn't that number here sitting at 9.5 seem a little low? It is a little bit low, but uh, the Rangers are one of the... Their offense has not gotten it done recently, so I can see why this total is as low as it is. But um, And how about this, Greg? The under... This might be one of those uh, sucker bets here, Greg, because the under in this game is minus 126. Maybe a little bit sucker so, by there. So uh, there's money coming in on the under here, and I, I think they're looking at this, and there might be something you don't know, Greggy. Sucker bet. Sucker bet. Don't under. take the over. Don't take the over. All right. But do take the Rangers' money line. Red Sox, Indians, Clev, Sell. Should be a fun one again, Frankie. Game of the night here once again. Cleveland Indians, one of the hottest teams in baseball, 8-2 and two over their last 10 games. The Red Sox trending in the opposite direction, uh, you know, can't say that that makes me sad, to be perfectly honest here. Uh, but I could use a good pitching performance from Chris Sale when it comes to fantasy. Uh, the Cleveland Indians, a slight favorite here at minus 104, but it's basically even money. Chris Sale and the Red Sox at minus 110. The total is 7.5. I mean, you want to lean with the under, Greg, just based on the pitchers that are on the mound here. But Chris Sale has been so shaky at times. Saw Fran Mo Reyes hit the home run last night against the left-handed pitcher. I wouldn't want to touch this game, man. As yeah. much as as much as I would love to watch this game from a pure fan perspective, as a baseball fan, I could see this game going either way between Clevenger and Sale. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. This one goes either way for me. I'm not touching it. I'm going to enjoy it. It's going to be fun. I'm not messing around with this, though. I agree. All right. Uh, let's move on to the Dodgers and Ginger God taking on Jordan Yamamoto and the Miami Marlins. Ginger Guard, a heavy favorite. Fired up, one of my best bets of the night. Something I don't normally do here, Greg. We are taking the run line, the Los Angeles Dodgers, minus one and a half. So they I have to win it. by two or more runs. You get that at minus 126 tonight. <clears throat> Jordan Yamamoto has not pitched well as of late. Dodgers, one of the best teams in baseball, coming into Marlins Park tonight. I think Dustin May shuts down the Miami Marlins offense. Love Dustin May, May for DFS tonight as well. And I also like the run line, Los Angeles Dodgers, Minus one and a half. It is minus 126 as well. 
All right. Up next, I for me, I think it's an interesting bet. The run line, I think it's fun. It is Dylan May uh, in Miami. I think the the total should be low. What? Dustin May, Craig. It's a Dylan May. I apologize. It's a Dylan May. Dustin May. Ginger guard. Ginger guard. Yeah. Awesome name. Awesome hair. Great. Uh, Kikuchi Boyd Mariners Tigers. Gross. Let's <laughs> move on. Somebody should have to pay you to watch this game. I will say I don't dislike Yusei Kikuchi this week uh, because it's two star week is against like. The Tigers and the Blue Jays. Outside of that, there's not really much I would want to do involving this game, Greg. Up next, it's the Mets and the Braves. Zach Wheeler, Max Freed. Braves are a little bit of a favorite. Are the Mets going to keep riding high? Uh, I think that they are going to. I like Zach Ooh. Wheeler and the Mets here tonight. It's not one of my best bets because these divisional matchups, they're, they're going to they're gonna be close games. It could go either way. But since the trade deadline, Zach Wheeler was not moved. He has thrown 15 consecutive scoreless innings. The Mets are plus 114 tonight. I like it. It's not one of my best bets. I don't love it. Uh, Wheeler has trouble when he plays good teams, specifically in division good teams. I know how good he's and 11 been. 11 innings pitched against the... And 12 innings pitched against the Braves this year. He's allowed six earned runs, so... You break that down to two starts, that's a quality start, right? Six innings pitched, three earned runs? You divide it by two? Yeah, no, I got it. Yeah, it's, it's not so bad. Right? Right. right, Greg? Astros and White Sox. Ivan Nova, Garrett Cole, monstrous favorite in that one. I'm going to move on. Yeah. Twins and Brewers. Chase Anderson and Martin Perez. This is an interesting one. I like right? the over in this one, over nine and nine a half. Nine and a half. The Twins are a bit of a dog in this one in Milwaukee. Martin Perez sucks, though. That's the problem. He hasn't pitched well. He's been getting blown up. He's your guy. Chase Anderson has pitched better as of late, but I still don't trust him. I, I like the over nine and a half in this one. Uh, even without Nelson Cruz in the Twins lineup, I think that they can hit some bombas tonight against Chase Anderson. Jack Flaherty, Glenn Sparkman, the Battle of Missouri, Frank. The Battle of Missouri. Not going to be much of a battle here as the Cardinals are minus 245. A lot of big favorites on the night if you want to parlay some of those together. Ultimately, I'm not touching this game. Rocks and D-backs, Zach Gallon and uh, Johnny Gray from Colorado. Total is 12. Last night, we said the total 14. was 14. What did that game end up doing, Greg? I think they went slightly over. No, it, it would have been a would have been a push. The game ended at 8-6 yesterday. Tonight, the total is 12. I'd like to say under, but just don't do that when it comes to Coors Field. I don't hate Zach Gallon in the D-backs at plus 110. Anything, Greg? I was leaning that way. Not one of my best bets. Giants and Athletics, Bummy and Brett Anderson. Who wants to pick them here? Yeah, I can see getting behind uh, Bumgarner here at minus 110. It's not not bad value. I will. It's my best bet. One of your best bets. Giants and Bumgarner, great value tonight in the Battle of the Bay Area. Pirates and Angels, Rays and Padres, they finish us off. I want to thank Eric Young. I want to thank everybody downstairs, Alex, Danny, Will, and more. For Frank Stample, I'm Greg Sossman. Thanks so much for joining us for the Best Friends Forever. We'll do it all again tomorrow. We We hope. hope. From the NFL to the NBA, DailyRoto.com is the place to win millions in daily fantasy. You can get the best DFS NFL coverage all season long for a price of $129.99 or dominate the entire daily fantasy sports realm with the Elite Package at $59.99 per month. If you use the promo code FNTSY, you get 10% off your DailyRoto package. Go to DailyRoto.com, pick your NFL or Elite Package, enter promo code FNTSY, and you'll be on your way to becoming the next Daily Roto Millionaire. So what did I miss? What did I miss? Here's what you missed on the BFFs. 
Tyler Boyd at 27, and A.J. Green is, is down at 36 just because of how many games he's going to miss. All right, I so, love A.J. Green, but he's going to miss at least six games. All right, so it seems pretty consistent that you guys are around the same area. So I just switched Boyd and Green in my rankings. That was just easy. Um, what do you think about I know you've been talking a lot about Cincinnati's offense in general when it comes to Joe Mixon, Frankie, but what can we expect from A.J. Green when he comes back? What do you expect of Tyler Boyd to start off the season? Yeah, I'll start off with Tyler Boyd, and I think especially because A.J. Green is going to miss time early on, you know, whether it's two, four, at, right now with A.J. Green, if it, if it's even a question that he's going to miss the first month of the season, they probably just put him on the pup list. So let's just get that out of the way, which means he would miss the first six games of the regular season. And it's an interesting situation for A.J. Green and the Bengals because it seems like everything's kind of trending younger there. Like, they're probably going to start looking for a new quarterback soon. A.J. Green is in a contract year. He's 31 years old. If he's coming off the pup, it's just, I worry about what his usage is going to be even when he comes back and, you know, just how effective he's going to be. He dealt with a toe injury all of last year, and now he's coming off this foot and ankle injury one year older. Tyler Boyd, to me, is someone that I believe is both safe and presents upside based on what his targets are going to be this year. And that's really what you want when it comes to your wide receivers for fantasy football. Earlier on, if A.J. Green is going to miss as much time as we expect it to be, they're going to have no choice but to force feed Tyler Boyd. Who else are they going to use on this offense? There's just there's not enough pass catchers. I mean, you have a Tyler Eifert who has been so injured throughout his career. I mean, the guy is basically held together by, you know, duct tape at this point. And look at the other wide receivers on their depth chart. It's John Ross. It's Auden Tate who they're talking up. It's Josh Malone right now as well. So I think Tyler Boyd not only has a safe target floor week in and week out in the games that A.J. Green misses, I think he's going to have upside because I don't know who else they're going to pass the ball to, Greg. He's going to play that slot receiver role in the Sean McVay, Los Angeles Rams offense. Zach Taylor comes over. He's the head coach calling plays for the Bengals now. Tyler Boyd played the slot receiver role last year. I believe that he will have that Cooper Cup role uh, in this offense once again. I'm hoping so, at least, Greg, because if they don't have enough weapons to just put on the outside, there's a chance they use Boyd on the outside. That would not bode well for his fantasy value. He's much better as a slot receiver. What about you, EY? How do you see Tyler Boyd and A.J. Green shaking out? I mean, it's been proven, uh, well, I mean, statistically proven anyways, that Tyler Boyd is better when A.J. Green is on the field. Um, and that and that's because A.J. Green requires a double team. And A.J. Green is one of the best receivers in the league. And with him not on, on the field, I mean, like Frank said, who else are they going to throw the ball to? Be sure to follow all our social media at FNTSY Sportsnet and at FNTSY Radio. And now I'm tweeting about you, bruh.